Mosaic and I think Regina is the heart of the Canadian Football League. It's the heartbeat. It is the it is the epicenter of the CFL universe. And that's why this game will be will have significant meaning. You know, if you're a CFL fan, that is the lifeblood. Welcome to The Waggle. He's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski, and it's the final game this weekend at Old Mosaic Stadium. Davis will share some of his memories as we look back on what a ride it's been for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and what will likely be their Grey Cup game this coming weekend. James, this month, uh, as we all know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, October Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we want to dedicate this episode of The Waggle to breast cancer, women's breast cancer awareness. Awareness, uh, it's touched so many of us. Uh, the Canadian Cancer Society uh, estimated last year alone, twenty-five thousand women were diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, in Canada. In Canada, yes. Um, and it, it affected me. Um, I lost my mother. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in, in two thousand and six. Um, extremely health conscious woman, a vibrant woman, very active. Uh, she worked in the Surrey School District. Um, she she got breast cancer in 2006 um, and it was in remission and she we thought that uh, she had beat it it was in remission for for six years she went through chemotherapy and, and that was extremely difficult to, to watch she she finished her chemo that year was able to join me and my and my Alouettes team in, in in Winnipeg that year for the for the Grey Cup uh, after she had finished her stuff and her, her chemo um, she then went on and was in remission for seven years and healthy and moving towards her, her retirement. And, and, and uh, she felt a lump on her side one, one afternoon and, and went to our family doctor, which has been our family doctor for 30 years. And, and uh, he said right away, I don't like the way this looks. She immediately drove straight to Whistler to get uh, where she could get in to get an X-ray and a, um, some ultrasounds. And uh, a couple of days later, they let us know and informed us that... Uh, um, the cancer, the cancer come back and it spread all through her organs. Um, they said it didn't look good. Um, and then we didn't have long. Um, my mom passed away exactly 30 days after that diagnosis. Um, so from, from being completely healthy and, 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 and being in remission and, and, you know, moving towards her retirement, enjoy the rest of her life, uh, just got rocked one day and uh and uh passed away 30 days later which um she was the rock of our family a lot of people around the league with no mom she she came to you know she's a big fan of the cfl she went to a lot of games she came yeah she came to a lot of my games and she's proud of like like most moms out there proud of their little boy and and so she the cfl meant a lot to her because it meant a lot it was a big part of my life so it meant a lot to her she watched every game and it's funny she would she would call me all the time on 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 a Friday night or a Saturday night, and and, uh, and say, did you see what just happened in the Saskatchewan game or the Winnipeg game? And and I remember, yeah, I'd be like, Mom, get lost, like joking around with her about uh, you know, you know, whatever it may be. Don't like, bug me, Mom. Yeah, don't, don't bug, bug me, me, Mom. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we all would take yeah. it, we take for no, granted yeah. sometimes. In a right? fun, I would laugh about yeah. it, and she would say, you see the catch by Ben Cahoon or whoever it may be, and and I and I laughed, I, I laughed a couple years ago, I was saying what I would do as I watch CFL games now, just to get that one of those phone calls again. Um, yeah. But so anyway, uh, I just wanted to want to say that um, want to say the cancer destroys uh, so many so many of our families and 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 so many of us have been affected by it. And I just want to thank um, any any of you guys around the league and fans and, and everyone who participated um, in Women's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and and anything they did to to help uh, help us find a cure for this uh, this disease that affects so many of us. So thank you for 
for everyone's support uh, who's uh, participating in this. Not even just so many of us, all of us. Yeah. And and Davis, I think that it's it's a beautiful message and it's great awareness. But that we've seen from the National Football League, the Canadian Football League, we see it all over. Um, you know, the pink. We we understand what you know the pink uh, means at this time of the year and. Um, you know, it's a beautiful message and it, it has destroyed. Cancer is, is a dirty C word that, uh, you know, we continue to fight diligently uh, in our society. But absolutely, this one is for Davis's mom. And uh, let's do this proud. Let's uh, let's start this off let's in style. And, uh, well, she, hey, she, would be, she would definitely be a listener. She, she would, would definitely, definitely be a listener. Would she be a subscriber? Oh, well, yeah. Well, you know what, James? If you weren't on the show, she might subscribe to listen to me. But if you have to <laughs> listen to you, she'd listen once in a while. Well, we know that, you're, we know that your brother's, uh, he's a loyal yeah, listener and, de- and, and still an advocate for trying to get you back in the league. And if, <laughs> I guess if Randy Chevrier can play in the wow. league still, maybe there's hope for you. Uh, it was pretty cool to see Chevy out there. Yeah. yeah. yeah one for the one for the good for the old guys, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Shout out to 40-year-old guys out That's there. It. We That's we appreciate it. that. Props, Randy. Um and speaking of the riders, why don't we jump right into this uh because I think the story this week uh is about Rider Nation and you know, their Grey Cup is this weekend, the final game at Mosaic. Uh the 80-year-old barn will see its last Saskatchewan Rough Riders game this coming weekend. You played a lot of games. The old Taylor Field. I mean, for some people, it's Taylor Field. For others, it's Mosaic. But, you know, you've got some memories there and, and one that really kind of hits home for you. Yeah, well, I, I got my, my first uh, my first interception there and uh, and my first my first touchdown. And uh, Your first pick was a pick six? I think so. I, I can't. I'm not sure. I think maybe I... I think so. I think I might have. I'm not sure if I, that was the first one or the second one, but it was in my rookie season, and uh, and I think it was uh, I think it was Hank, and I picked him off on the sideline at about the 50 yard line, and uh, took it up the sidelines of the house, did a little little high step with my hand on the back of my head like Dion does, the one want to be D want to be Dion like every like every DB does, and that was a. Uh, that was cool, uh, but I always the high it. step was so fun. I mean, are you, oh, would, yeah. would you get flagged for high stepping in today's day and no, age? Now, I think they still let us do that. High yeah. stepping back yeah. in the '90s. I mean, even if you hated Dion, Dion was fun to watch in those oh, days. Yeah. Did you? Were you a high stepper? Oh yeah, sure. I did. I did it all the Dion. Or were you dance, a hot step stepper? murderer? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> just, but yeah, no. Uh, Dion's Dion's man. But but Mosaic or Taylor Field is. Yeah. is uh, like I was saying, I always uh, we were talking about it earlier on. It's a place where you when you show up to to Regina. You know, there's a football game mm-hmm. that weekend, and it's a special feeling. It's kind of like a kind of like a small college, small college feel, and then you don't get that feel in all big cities because, like, you know, it's, there's so many other things going on. But when you pull into Regina for a game, and you know, when you get to the airport, you see the Riders flags, you go to a restaurant, and everyone comes up to you. And I can honestly say, I've never been in Regina and had someone come up and be rude or or heckle they always come up and say hey, welcome to they're proud of their team like welcome to Regina well you know you're gonna you know we're gonna kick your butt tomorrow or good luck tomorrow whatever it is but the fans are always always cool and respectful and, and fun and and uh, and it was always a cool place to be and be in that environment for a couple of days while you play the riders mosaic and I think Regina is the heart of the Canadian Football League it's the heartbeat you know, it yeah. is it is the it is the epicenter of the CFL universe, and that's why this game will be will have significant meaning for not only if you're just a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, you know, if you're a CFL fan, that is the lifeblood, that's the heartland, yeah. and that is the most fertile soil 
for the Canadian Football League. They've got a 25-minute closing ceremony tentatively planned. I'm sure it'll go much longer. They got pyro, they got video, and and all sorts of special guests that I'm sure they'll be bringing back and and sharing some memories and and that uh, and that'll be a special moment. And and it's something that I'm kind of looking forward to watching. And, and you know, I only got to go to to Mosaic. I think just just the one time, and that was uh, for the 2003 Grey Cup that. You were on the short end of. Uh, no, I was not there. I was in the, with the San. Diego oh no, that's right. You were the Chargers at that yeah, point. Yeah, in two thousand three. So yeah. yeah, that was I believe the year Ricky Ray and the Eskimos toppled uh, Montreal uh, with uh, Ricky Ray, I believe, being the Grey Cup MVP for that one. It was uh, a great game. Uh, it was cold as anything. I remember there was a massive blizzard about two days before the game. Uh, Don Matthews. Is that the game that Don decided to start two rookie corners the last week? Uh, or was that 2002? Who won, who won the game in 2003? 2003 was Edmonton. And 2002 was Montreal. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And that was, that was the year, in fact, it was going from, in mid-November, it was going from going to Regina for the Grey Cup, and then like the following week, I had to go to Edmonton for the Heritage Classic, and it was like November, and it was like minus 30, like wow. back-to-back weeks. Uh, but you know what? A good time, and, and ex- you know what? Exactly to your point, everybody had... Felt like an event from the moment oh, yeah. you got off that plane. You know, people are, hey, you're here for the game. You're ready to go. You're ready to do this. And and uh, I was fortunate enough to be there uh, for the 2013 13 Grey Cup mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the Riders in Regina. And then when the Riders won, I was uh, Paul Waldo, who plays for the Riders, a yeah. good, good personal friend of mine, and I was able to come there, be with him and his family, and, and, and spend that time with with Rider Nation. It was a really cool thing to be a part of and something I'll never forget. Speaking of Rider Nation, uh, interesting comments coming out over the last uh, week or so from quarterback Darian Durant. And Darian Durant took to Facebook uh, over the last week and uh, said this, quote, we will hoist that trophy again before I walk out of town. You can mark that down. Mm. Obviously, Ooh. negotiations are going well. And, I mean, this seems to be a bit of an about face for you and I to I, – I think we we had this discussion a few points over the course of this season, and we had his bags packed. And it certainly seemed that all indications from Chris Jones and company was that they wanted to turn the page on Darian Durant. And now, all of a sudden, maybe there's a middle ground recognizing that, you know what? Maybe there's a fit still here in this awkward relationship that, you know, whether there's been some counseling or whatever it may be, (laughs) they seem to be mending fences. But maybe Chris Jones recognizing that, you know what, maybe there isn't a better option out there, or at least for the now, for the next couple of years. And Darian Durant saying, well, maybe the grass isn't necessarily greener. That's not to say that Montreal wouldn't be interested in his services if he became available at the end of the year. But that being said, you know what, Darian Duran has shown that he can still play football and in a meaningful game. And now that he's got some personnel and it's not all just kids running around, I think Darian Duran has shown some signs here over the last six weeks that he can still play and that Regina just might be a really really good fit now that there, there's personnel to help Darian Duran along the way. Watch, watching them play, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine weeks ago um, when the defense was getting shredded and, and 
and you know Darian was having to put up huge numbers just to try to try to stay in football games and wasn't having a ton of success. They were still mm-hmm. moving the moving the football, but once they got all three phases sorted out and their defense started playing well, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you watch Darian in the controls of that offense when he has a defense behind him and special teams, and he looked great. I mean, he, he's I would not if I'm the Riders, and obviously they've come to this this point. You cannot afford um, after you've made so much progress in the last. Uh, five six weeks with this football team and a team that looks like a legit contender, mm-hmm. you know, next year to to move on to a, to an unproven quarterback in, in you know as your number one guy. You know, you still want to bring in James Franklin. I think you could still do that uh, if he is a free agent. Bring bring in James Franklin or do whatever you have to do um, to build for the future. Darian is an older kind of guy, but you still, ha- in my opinion, you got to keep Darian now after you've seen this team and what it's kind of what you've kind of built. Um, you have to make him your starter day one, opening day next season, and see what can be made of this. And it it's cool to hear because it's a, you always want. I mean, you always want guys to end their careers where you know where they've where they've been most of the time. And Darian's been you know uh, one of the best quarterbacks in this league for for so many years, and he's been a rider. He's I can't see him any, wearing any other colors. Um, and it, and I'm, I hope he does get it done. I hope he can stay there, and I hope he, they get a chance to win another another Grey Cup under uh, under Darian Durant. The league is better off. With a healthy, competitive, dominant Saskatchewan Rough Riders yeah. team, and I, I, you know what? Whether you want to boo them or whether you want to cheer them, they equal ratings. They just make the league more interesting, and no and I think, and I, I totally Rider think that Nation, there's a fit. Baby. Absolutely, and and there, I think personally, there's a total fit with Darian Durant. We've talked about this multiple times over the last few weeks, but now it looks like. You know, I, I think we're on the same page here now that we're kind of doing a little bit of a, you know what, maybe, maybe there's a fit here. There's and another, that, team, that makes a there's another team of prov- a province over there that's, that's, that's starting to make some waves for, you know, as maybe being, uh, you know, also uh, in the top class of the CFL with, with what they're building over there in Winnipeg. They're, uh, oh, yeah. They have a for real fan base. They and how fun is that? And how fun is that rivalry? How fun oh, yeah. does that rivalry become over they're the good. next in the in the years ahead? If, they, if, new, if stadiums, both teams are, mm-hmm. new stadiums, good teams. I mean, this is that and and a huge fan base having and them being neighbors. It's uh that's a that's a for real rivalry good. And, uh, and something I look forward to watching for a long time. People will be tuning up the banjos to tune over people's heads going that's forward it. with this rivalry. No, and that's a good thing. Um, why don't we jump into our uh, weekly CFL pickems here because uh, this kind of speaks to I, I I think to the degree of some of the playoff scenarios and and first things first let's we'll start in Hamilton on Friday night where it's the Edmonton Eskimos rolling in to take on the Tabbies and this could totally be a potential. Eastern playoff showdown based on how things look in the standings right now, whether Hamilton claims the East, uh, you know, if they ultimately claim the East division or depending on how things look with Edmonton right now being poised to be the crossover team. So, you know, these two teams could be going head to head in the first week of the CFL playoffs, but Hamilton comes up with a huge, huge victory on the road in Ottawa. They were down late and uh, found a way to come back and topple the Red Blacks, who just continue to shoot themselves in the foot at home as they've done all season long. And despite the fact that the Red Blacks have one point you know, in hand or have a point ahead in the standings overall right now with two games to go, I think if you're Hamilton, I think you got to like your chances here down the stretch when you look at how the schedule kind of breaks down here for both the Ticats and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Well, you're, you're getting it, all things point to Zach Lair's coming back this week. 
that's he's been taking the first team reps yeah. for uh, practice the first couple of days to start the week. We haven't uh, as as we record this, he hasn't been given the green light just right. yet, but it looks it looks like it's going to go that at way at this point. At yeah, this point, and uh, and obviously he's your guy. You know, uh, maybe the best. You know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and and, and if he's healthy, he's right up there in the, in the conversation of uh, MOP. We we both yep. know that he was last year, and and now also you know quietly Moises Madu has taken over for Trayvon Van as as the feature back, and you know in Ottawa. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's we're talking about we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about uh, Hamilton's thing, so that's mm-hmm. so uh, obviously Moises Madu is not gonna is not gonna run the rock for for Hamilton. But if he did, he'd do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, would. yeah. CJ Gable no, might have CJ, something yeah, to say about pardon that. Me, pardon me, CJ Gable. CJ yeah. Gable is is, uh, is running the rock running the rock well. He didn't. Uh, I mean, if, if you get if you give CJ Gable a crease, he's obviously uh, a guy who can who could take it to the house and also catch the ball well well out the backfield. Which I think as the weather. As the weather gets colder here and, and these months come up, you need you need to use your your short passing game and your running game to move the football. You can't just drop back and slang it all over the field in in, in these type of conditions. And, and in the East, it's going to be cold no matter where they play. So yep. I think that the running back is going to make be a big part. C.J. Gable will have a big part in this this offense and, and the and also the short passing game. Yeah, and and you know I think we should also give some props here to, to Jeremiah Masoli here who. You know what? As a as a backup quarterback in the Canadian Football League, and Masoli had had some prime time. You know, he was the guy at the start of the season. But when you look at his record over the course of the year, he was a 500 quarterback, and 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 for eight weeks of the season that he was the Hamilton Ticats number one quarterback, in for an injured Zach Caleros. And you know what? You get a 500 record from your number two. There's no shame in that, and he's yeah. done a really good job of keeping this team afloat and putting this team back in a very comfortable spot. To be within striking distance of that East Division, or, or to lay claim to top spot in the East, which means a buy and a spot right into the East Final, and suddenly your road to the to the Grey Cup is that much easier and that much more favorable than it looks having to go. Yeah, you know, James, two two wins. It is and on the road. I was remiss for for talk, not talking about for, about him because also another key point is is his skill set is conducive to playoff cold weather football. Mm. I mean, he's a read option guy. He's a, he can make plays with his legs. He's a big guy. He's hard to tackle. His his skill set, actually I like his skill set especially in in playoff football cuz he can move the chains with his with his pick up first downs with his legs. Like I said, he's he's physical and you can have that you have that read option if there's if it's bad weather, you can always use that that read option um, all those type of things that, that he does so well that they, that he did at Ole Miss, that he did at Oregon and that he's shown he can do here in the in the CFL and it's a uh, so they have a good they have a good problem to have even if, if Zach's yeah. not around they have a, a good backup in in uh, a good backup uh, here in, in Hamilton and, and, and my and, former Oregon my former Oregon Duck Jeremiah Masoli. There you go. Oregon Ducks are taking over the uh, the CFL world. I mean you got Vernon Adams who just had his debut uh, yeah, at Montreal. We'll get we'll get into that momentarily. But you know you know not only that with with what the Tabbies had to do last week and they're going to have to do it again this week against him. They had to do it without another key weapon with Brandon Banks, who was suspended last week uh, for two games for violating the, the league's substance abuse policy. He got caught using MDA, which is technically more perceived as a recreational drug, but it's also a banned substance on WADA's list because it's deemed as a stimulant uh, by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Um, you know, he, he accepted responsibility, accepted blame. Uh, he, 
I mean, it's a stupid mistake. There's no other way to, to, to yeah, describe it. I mean, you're costing your football you're, team, especially at this any any time you, you're costing your football team. And uh, but you know what? You know what? He he stood up. He, he yeah. took full responsibility. He didn't make excuses. He took full responsibility. He he, uh, you know, talked to his teammates about it. He addressed he addressed everyone about it. And and you've been in a situation to... like that where somebody's been caught using uh, who was caught and suspended, like from from your years as a player. Yeah. What's that conversation like where a guy has to kind of own up to something like that? Yeah, you know what I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Of, of situations I can't think uh, off the top of my head of, of anyone well first of all the CFL didn't have a, a drug policy uh, yeah back then it's just been implemented implemented recently so mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think I remember remember anyone in college or the NFL who, who had that situation um, but uh, I do think that the you know one thing I that bothers me as a as a player is uh, listening to guys make excuses when they do get caught um, and, and you know they don't know what happened. It happens in track and field all the time. It yeah. happens. Everyone's everyone got their drink spiked, or they didn't know what they're yeah. taking. The old so Ben I, Johnson. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I really, no. so I really do respect. I respect the fact that Brandon Banks, uh, Speedy B, uh, came up and, and, yep. and took responsibility. He's owned and said, it. He's owned it, and I respect that. And I'm, you know, he, you know, he misses this game. He'll be back for the Montreal game, and he'll be back for the playoff run. So, so uh, you know, good on you know, boo on him for for making this mistake. Good on him for owning up to it, mm-hmm. and he'll uh, get to join his teammates, and he'll, he'll join his teammates with the respect of his teammates when he when he comes back as well. Yeah, and that's I mean that speaks to, and I don't I don't know the exact intricacies of the entire CFL's drug policy, but that that speaks to a little bit of the. I think a little bit of the gray area where I think some players are starting to figure out because this is the second time that a player has been caught using uh, of the three drug violations this year. Two of them have been more for recreational, and it's not usually something that the league tests for, but this is one that kind of falls under a banned stimulant by the World Anti-Doping Agency. So, you know, there's a not call it a 50 shades of gray, but it was a tough one. But nevertheless, you know, Brandon Banks had to own it. He is owning it and he's gone for one more game and a big one against the Eskimos where this is a potential playoff matchup. So how how do these two teams try to go at it here? I mean, knowing full well that you could face each other again. I mean, do you tip your full game plan here? Or, I mean, do you th- I mean, you're going to have to come up with another game plan, like potentially in two and a half weeks from now. But. How do you how do you approach this one if you're both Edmonton who are coming off a tough loss uh, to the BC Lions, where they got to roll into Hamilton where they might have to be there in just a couple of weeks again? Yeah, I think it's diff- it's different situation for for Edmonton than it is for Hamilton as as Edmonton Hamilton still still plowing away for first that that golden spot with yeah. which is first first overall uh, first in the East and, and that that home field advantage but Edmonton is is pretty much like we talked about they're pretty much locked in we're not gonna you could almost rest guys in Edmonton, some respects exactly. not, maybe not yet but Edmonton is locked I mean they're locked into a playoff spot yeah um, and they're pretty much locked into the crossover they're not locked into it, but it really looks like it's gonna be a, there's some weird really weird things we have a to lot have. has to go yeah, their way very low percentage percentage yeah. wise uh, of, of them of them staying in the West so they can almost they can almost they're not playing for the same they could almost rest guys and when you talk about game planning and tipping your hat like you mentioned if I'm Jason Moss I don't I don't pull out my whole playbook against them and and, and exploit their weaknesses Hamilton's weaknesses so that they can fix those and get ready for the for the playoff game I I come I come out very vanilla and I would expect them to come out very vanilla and and, uh, and kind of keep keep their playbook uh, quiet and the things they they want to do because they'll have certain things you know looking at or Orlando Steinhauer's defense they'll have certain things that they think that they can use and exploit um, that they've built up in, over the over the year of of, of game planning um, but they're not going to I wouldn't think they would pull those things out this week I think they'll save those 
um, for the playoff game because this game doesn't. So mean, play rope a dope a little yeah, bit I here. Mean, just uh, uh, Edmonton can afford Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton can afford to lose this game, and not to say that they're going, to, no. you know, that they're going to lay an egg here and no, tank no, no, on no. purpose no. or throw this game, but they can afford to rest guys. They can use, they can afford to use this as a blueprint or at least a cheat sheet, so to speak. Yeah, I, I would say I would say if if someone's dinged up and and could go. Um, on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they would play this game. It's mm-hmm. the easiest way to put it. Yeah. And I think if someone's in the same situation playing for the Edmonton Eskimos, I think they would sit this game out. Okay. Uh, so that being said, I think based on that logic and the way things are kind of trending here, I think I like Hamilton to knock off Edmonton because you don't know how much Mike Riley's going to play where this scenario, like you said, you kind of know where you sit in the standings. You need a lot to go your way. And I think based on this, maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing for Edmonton to take, you know, the longer road through the East, which might be a kinder, gentler road when you look at the numbers in the standings. Yeah, I would, I would, I would like, uh, I would take Hamilton in his football game. They just, Mike Riley will play the full game unless he gets hurt. I'm sure you not, you can't show your team at this point in time when you still have a chance to to move up in the standings. You can't mm-hmm. sit your guy unless he's hurt. Um, so I, I would expect him to play the whole time, but I also. I also uh, just think Hamilton has way, way more to play for. And, and, and in a game like this, you take the Urgency. team with more and more to lose. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's go on to Saturday. And it's a doubleheader on Saturday. And uh, we start in Winnipeg, where the Ottawa Red Blacks will try to lick their wounds. And while the Winnipeg Blue Bombers continue to try to solidify that second spot in a home field playoff date in the West uh, playoff uh, race, the Red Blacks, oh my goodness, they sure don't like to make it easy. And a team that has struggled to win at home this year, they dropped the ball again last week against the Thai Cats, uh, opening that door for the Tabbies to maybe jump into top spot. This is a tough, tough matchup for Ottawa to go into against the Bombers, who, let's face it, you know, this is a rested squad. They've got, they come off a bye week, and yes. this is a team that's had a chance to rest up. They're playing in front of the home crowd, and. You know, Ottawa and Winnipeg go home-and-home series to close out the season. This is a tall order for the Red Blacks. Henry Burris is playing really well since uh, becoming the number one guy again with the Red Blacks uh, at quarterback. But you look at what the Bombers can do, not only what they're executing offensively right now, what they did in two straight games against the Lions, you know, against what seems to be almost a weaker, more suspect Ottawa defense – you know, it's a tall order for Henry Burris to try to put up a lot of points against a very, very aggressive Winnipeg defense that seems to just capitalize on takeaways time and time and time again. Uh, the biggest the biggest advantage I see for the Blue Bombers this week is, first of all, what you say, they're a rested football team, and, and everyone knows that this offensive line is extremely physical. They get after you. They're maulers. And in a game like this, there will be a cold-weather game. In the in the peg, and and a team. I mean, they just play. We're talking about Ottawa just played in the game. You know, basically for their lives, uh, scrapping and clawing yeah. in, a, in, a, in a in a in a real in a real letdown situation too. You know, up by up by fifteen and 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 losing and losing this game. Um, it's it's a real letdown spot for for this football team. And now you got to go up against a team that's rested, that's also playing for a home play. They're playing for a lot for a home playoff game. They're rested and they're extremely physical group um, up front on both sides of the ball 
it's a, it's a, this is a tough task. Um, I, I, I like I was talking about earlier about Moses Madu because I, I I love the way he's running the ball. Yeah, for Ottawa, he looked great, especially in he the played, first game against Hamilton. He plays for Ottawa and Hamilton. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he's running the ball. Uh, watching that game, that you mm-hmm. know, that Hamilton game, he runs the ball. He runs the ball so hard. Yeah, and Trayvon Van was uh, looked really good early in the season, and then he, he got hurt, and kind of Moses Madu kind of quietly came in and, and has taken over that that spot, but. You know he he runs the ball like when he when he's toting that thing he's going north and south and he's punishing you and in cold weather games and as it becomes playoff football that uh, that makes a big difference so I mean that's the one advantage that they have I think that Ottawa Ottawa would have to to keep the crowd out of the game to slow this game down I think they'd have to try to control the football run the ball um, Rick Campbell Ottawa's know. run defense has been a strength for them from a defensive side of the football this year but at the same time. Um, you know, this is a tall order. I, I I see Winnipeg taking this one just based on the momentum and the mojo that this team's had over the last little while, having a week off, uh, what they did against the Lions, uh, two big, big games, and now they've kind of leapfrogged uh, BC for that second spot right now in the West Division. It's it, This is a tough one for Ottawa. Ottawa plays better on the road, but, um, you know, I, I think the sense of urgency for the Bombers to really want to solidify that spot in the West – the problem, the problem too. The, the big rest is a, is a big thing. The problem too is is Ottawa's strength is also is also the bomber strength, and that's their their passing game in Ottawa. You know, Henry in the first half of the Hamilton game, Henry looked on fire. He was tossing he the ball yeah. all of the park. They were going uh, no huddling. We talk about Rick Campbell after the game realized that hey, they try to slow the game down in the second half to, to make sure they you know uh, ran some clock and and maintain that that lead. The problem with that is. They weren't having success running that style of offense, and they weren't getting first downs, which, as we know, doesn't doesn't move the clock, doesn't yeah. run the clock. So, basically, now Rick Rick has a real predicament. Is in his is it you come out there and Jamie Elizondo, the offensive coordinator, you come out there this week and go back to your game plan um, that had success in the first half against Hamilton, which is throwing the ball all around the park. But if you do that on the road against a, an opportunistic defense. You're you're asking for trouble. So yeah. I, in, that being said, I, I like I like Winnipeg because I don't know what game plan um, Ottawa can go in go in there with against a rest of the team and have a whole lot of success. They didn't have success controlling the ball. They had success spreading spreading teams out and throwing it around. But I don't think they can do that against this Winnipeg defense. Yeah, and that's and and again, not having Chris Williams. Uh, I mean, you lose a little bit of that home run threat. They still got a very deep receiving core, but you know that's a that's a key guy that would keep a little more of that aggressive Winnipeg defense uh, a little honest. But it's crazy that we talk about the Bombers now. We were kind of laughing about this a few days ago, but thinking about week one, talking about the waggle after your first uh, impression of the Bombers at yes. the beginning of the season. Yes. And, and here we are talking about a team that has a legitimate a legitimate chance of winning the Great Cup. Uh, like I, we talked about earlier, talked about the fact of, of, of after watching the first game, I was in Winnipeg watching the game, and I and I left there with an impression of this may be the worst defense I've ever seen in the CFL. There were guys running around open everywhere. Montreal does not have a potent offense, but they looked yeah, Montreal won they that looked game, awesome. They were running. They had guys running free everywhere. Um, there was no pass rush, and Richie Hall is a good defensive coordinator. So I just I I didn't know what to take, and and at that point I was. You know, but then you know they they uh you know Kyle Walters and Michael Shea they they held they held firm and they they let this these young guys grow and and they did turn into a great a great defense and a, and a good football team but uh but yeah it's uh they're looking they're looking good right now and, and they have uh with being rested I think is the biggest biggest asset for them in a in a physical football game Winnipeg 
Yeah, I like Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah. The, Ernest Jackson. We didn't talk about Ernest yeah. Jackson. Let's just give him his props. I mean, ten for one hundred two. Oh yeah, and and, uh, and two touchdowns. He's the the more the the more weather becomes a part. I mean, look around the league at the trend. Okay, the mm-hmm. more weather becomes a part of the football game, um, the more the more big physical guys are the guys you want. Manny Arsenal now all of a sudden turning it up. He'll be a big factor in the playoffs. Ernest Jackson. These guys are physical, and when it comes when it comes to Playoff football in the CFL, that's November football and playoff run, which is October. You need physical, you need big physical guys, and, and, and uh, guys like Ernest Jackson are going to make a big difference down the line here in, in uh, flask in weather, teams. Davis. We call it, it flask weather. Flask weather. <laughs> they make a difference. I, I'm telling you, I don't, hey, you look at guys, and this is, this is something that we talked about and I, I've talked about before in this league. If I'm, a, if I'm a general manager and I've seen guys get I'm not going to mention any names at this point in time. I'm putting one on blast right now. Yeah. But I've seen guys get signed who, who I know I play with or I've, or I've seen play a lot, and they're they're nice. They they run nice routes. They they have nice hands. They're they're nice, smooth football players. Mm-hmm. But in the CFL, if you if you want to win if you want to win championships, you have to be good in October and November. That's when it matters. Everyone talks about after Labor Day. Yes, and then moving into October, November. In October, November. The weather is going to play a huge factor, and you have to be a dog, and you have to be able to play in those type of conditions. If I've been in Grey Cups where I've been in Grey Cups where our best receivers or or you know good players are standing against the against the heater, worrying about how cold their hands are. I mean, if you're in a chance, and I, not that I'm the toughest guy in the world, but I play. I grew up my whole life playing in this weather. I can deal with it. I'm used to it. And I'd rather, in this situation, I'd rather take a guy from North Dakota or yeah. Colorado or so- Saskatchewan than, than, a SoCal than guy. some guy from SoCal who's never – it's like guys who have been in the league, a guy like Nick Lewis, I don't think Nick's from Texas or something, but a guy like, you know, S.J. Green is from Florida. Yep. They've been in this league a long time. They don't count. Because mm-hmm. they played in these conditions, they're used to it. They know how to catch the rock. They know how to stay warm. They're not. They're not thinking about it. They're dogs. They're just gonna go out and play. And young, watch me, please. Watch young guys now, and we'll look back on this. And and I'll say I told you so. Look for young guys, first and second year guys from warm climates. In as we get down to the stretch here, coughing up the rock and not coming up in big games. It happens time and time again. They've never played a guy from the from the SEC has never played in snow and rain in these conditions. A guy from the Pac-12, the Pac he's never played maybe a little bit Oregon and, Oregon and Washington, but SoCal guys, uh, Texas guys, they haven't played in these conditions. Now, it's cold out there. when they're, they're, Their hands are cold, their feet are cold. It makes a huge difference, and that's why when I'm spending money on my free agents, I want them to be able to perform in money, money time, which is in October and November. And let's watch for that to play play a factor. People don't talk about it, but watch for it. No, uh, hey, look, I mean, we're we're already starting to see snow in in parts of you know in parts of the country. It gets cold, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's the human element that comes in where we- weather is a huge factor. Uh, let's move over to Saturday uh, Saturday's second leg of the doubleheader, and that's the BC Lions in Saskatchewan to take on the Riders. At the outset of the show, we talked about uh, you know the emotional the emotions at, at stake here for Rider Nation and Riderville as they play their final game at Mosaic. I'll tell you this, before we get into the Ryder side of things, and they laid an egg last week against Montreal. I mean, they laid an egg, the Riders at home. And you talked about weather being a factor. That was that was a pretty nasty one. But I want to give some props to the BC Lions who, you know what, they lost three of four going into last week's game against the Edmonton Eskimos. And 
boy, oh boy, that was uh, just a, a much better performance all through and through by the Lions. They looked better defensively to try to contain Mike Riley. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. Jonathan Jennings, uh, you know, looked more like Jonathan Jennings that we've been tire pumping for most of the season. And the Lions went out and they won an important game in order to try to keep pace with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and try to keep themselves within striking distance, a second spot, and a potential home playoff date. Uh, this, though, I look at going in here. This, to me, and I said it at the outset, this is Saskatchewan's Grey Cup. This is the final game at Mosaic. This is an important game for the franchise. And, you know, we talked about the idea of maybe resting players and all that, and there's been talks about that. This is the game. This is the game that people are going to be at. This is the one that they want to remember. And this is the one that I think the riders want to give their fans something to cheer about and go home on a positive note and say, you know what? We'll see you in the new barn in 2017. And this team's going to kick ass. And we're going to look like a winning team in this game. This is this screams to me a rider win, despite the fact that I loved what I saw from BC last week. They played really well as a team. But this, to me... This is the home run game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Darian Durant. You gotta hope. You gotta hope this game is as like you just said. It's it's a huge game. I mean, last week's game, the conditions were the conditions were horrible. horrible. Yeah, you were there. The first yeah, it was it was it was tough to play. It was cold. It was wet. I mean the I mean there was the in the first half Durant in this you know high flying high flying offense. The first half was uh, behind. I think the score was the score was six five in yeah. the first half behind. A, it was a hat trick, a hat trick from Regina Pat's uh, Duck Wickenheiser, and uh, and the Montreal Expos got a three run homer from Andre's Big Cat Galarraga. Oh wow! For a six to five first half. Nice, uh, nice so, shout outs yeah, there. That was uh, that was a pretty exciting game to be to be at and to watch. But uh, yeah, this this Durant I mean, was sacked five times. That that was the team. worst first half of football I've, I've I think I've ever seen. I tried to doing the broadcast. I tried to try to find some some uh, you know some. Some good parts of it, which which the good parts we're watching Vernon Adams, which we'll talk about in in a bit here. But yeah, I expect uh, I expect the Riders to come out and play inspired football as it is, and not for themselves because it doesn't matter for them, but for the great people of Regina um, and the fans and it, the, their last experience there. I think that the Riders will play inspired football. Yeah, no, I think uh, th- this is a big one. As I mentioned, uh, there's a big celebration after the game. They've got a big halftime show lined up as well. And, oh, shout outs, and you know the alumni, and you know there's going to be so many alumni that uh, and former players that are going to be there. Um, you know, in in terms of, it's not just about pride. I mean, it's I think it's everything for the franchise. And this, and I think to me, if you want to look at a a moment for Chris Jones with Rider Nation, and in terms of trying to retool and and the whole season that this has been the Jekyll and Hyde and all of it. This, to me, I think is Chris Jones' first real statement game, I think. Would you not agree? The final game at Mosaic to really kind of put the stamp. And in terms of meaningful games, like this is the one here that I think uh, at least. And not, not to say that it's a great, not that, that it's a great cup, that. but I, I, I think that this is a moment that I think the fans want to, the fans want to go home happy. They want to I'll leave this what, barn with a, with a yes. positive and exercise any sort of possible demons from this building that's seen 80 years of football. I'm not going to, I wouldn't put that pressure on a quarterback who's who i mean he can't i mean a quarterback a, a coach who he can't he cannot put his he cannot put his uh his team in jeopardy his guys in jeopardy he's got he's got to look at some other players he can't he can't just be yeah, you got another week you got another week that, to do I'm that saying, next i'm week. not putting i wouldn't i can't put that much pressure on and say this is a state this is the biggest statement game for chris jones it's a, they're out of the playoffs um, he's got to look at some guys for next year. I'm not gonna. I, I can't go that far and say this is the biggest statement game. The biggest statement. Would you game rest Darian Durant in a game like this then? 
no, I want to get a, I want to get a win. Like I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you that it's important, and I think Chris knows the importance to these people and to this you know, what this exactly. what this stadium has meant to everyone. I, yeah. just, I just say it's I would I wouldn't go as far. I can't okay. go as far as saying it's a it's the biggest game in in, in you know in his too in strong his, too strong yeah too too strong. <laughs> but I want to give I do want to give a shout out. Yeah, shout out to Rob Peterson out there in Saskatchewan. Yeah, he hot rod. I'll tell you what, he's the man out there. But we were in the up in the press box up there, and I was getting really hungry before uh, with Sean Campbell. Sean Campbell, uh, shout out to Sean who did, the, did the, the radio broadcast with me for TSN Montreal, and I was hungry before the game, really hungry. And I was trying to find some food, and I saw Rod up in the press box. I said, Rod, where's the where's the food around here? Where do we find the easily to have a, the spread for the? For the I heard Shepherd's Pie was pretty good up in the press box. So so at this point, I'm looking. He said, Davis. He said, unfortunately, it's not till not till halftime. The food comes out at halftime, and this is like an hour before kickoff so i'm gonna wait three hours to eat i'm like gosh so he's like hold on hold on come with me he takes me in this back like some mobster stuff here rob peterson yeah. takes me in the back this little back room and i walk back through through the room and the ladies are looking at me like what are you guys doing back here and he he looks at me and says don't worry he's with me walk back there's a whole spread out there but it's all covered it's all covered but it's for the halftime prepare he's like go ahead get yourself a plate so he walks me back there. I walk in there. It's like I said, and they're not serving until halftime. I go in there, get a plate. Rod ushers me in there, ushers me out, and uh, wow, he's big time. He's, he's big, big time. time. The future Rod, premier shout out, of Saskatchewan. Shout out, shout out to Rob Peterson for giving, and for the and for the good folks at Mosaic uh, Mosaic Stadium for letting letting me get some grub there. I much appreciate. There you go. So Chris Jones should 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 get a, a nice quality effort for for Mr. Peterson to call. Uh, mm-hmm. Rod, a friend of the show as well, and joined us earlier this season uh, to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of been. So we both like the Riders, I think, in this one against BC. It brings us to the uh, final game on a Sunday of this week. I didn't, I didn't week. say that, James. Oh, okay. See, I get, to ra- I get to rambling about everything, and then I forget to make my picks. You gotta okay. Keep, you got to keep me on task. All right. I like BC. Okay. But it's going to be close. I think it's going to be within, right. a, within a field goal. I like okay. BC. It's going to be a tight one. Because, uh, yeah, a lot a lot at stake still for the Lions as well. And, and as, as well as they still try to, you know, have hopes for a home playoff date in round one of the playoffs. Okay. Which brings us to Sunday, Calgary in Montreal to take on the Alouettes. Um, I think we're at the stage here where Dave Dickinson can legitimately start thinking about resting players. Uh, when you look at some of the injuries that the, the stamps have sustained, uh, and Montreal, I'll tell you what, the defense, and we talked about pride, we talked about effort and trying to finish up strong. Davis, you know, you were very passionate last week about Deron Carter and Kenny Stafford and their effort from the previous week when they laid that egg against the Stamps, and, and here they go head-to-head on Sunday. And this is one, to me, that this is a real physical Montreal defense. And this is a team that if, if there was an offense that could at least have met the Owls halfway, this would have been a very, very good football team and a team that could have easily been competitive for top spot in the East Division this year. Didn't happen, and yet Montreal's defense, if five sacks on Darian Durant last week alone, and this is an aggressive team and a hungry team. But I think the thing that really kind of jumped out at me was seeing, you know, the coming of age of Vernon Adams getting his opportunity for the Calgary Stampeders and, or, for, or for the Montreal Alouettes. And, you know, here's a guy who completed less than 50% of his passes, but, you know, just under 200 yards passing through a pick, through a touchdown as well, um, 26 yards rushing on just two carries. He got sacked six times, but I'll tell you what, watching him, he was fun to watch. Yeah, no he create like yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You felt like he could create. Yeah. So there was an opportunity or potential to create something. Definitely, you felt like there's something special yeah. there. And one of the things I looked at, and I looked at it again once I got once I got home and looked at the film is 
the great thing that you don't see it much from young quarterbacks is he was eluding the rush yeah. all night long, but he was doing it while keeping his eyes up and scanning the field, which is which is a great thing for a young quarterback. And, and you know, usually guys don't do that, but but he he did it, and he was also which is very impressive, and I'm sure the coaches when they see this will. Uh, feel good about it. He was going to his second and third reads, which mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if Cato looked to me like when Cato was back there, and, and he showed some good signs. But Cato went to his first read, and then he would tuck and run. Yeah. What Vernon looked like Vernon to me was doing, and, and after I went back and watched it again, it confirmed it. He he would go to his first read, then he was going to his second, and even sometimes to his third reads, and then as he was and he was scrambling, he was scanning the field and like looking to throw the ball. While he, it was impressive, and I think you know for a season that has. Hasn't been a whole lot of bright spots, or hasn't been there hasn't been a whole lot of bright spots for the Alouettes fans. I think this is something that you could look at and, and say, you know what, this guy showed us something. Uh, you don't know his future, but I would say um, it's definitely something you can look at and say, this guy's got a chance to be to be special. And, and I want to uh, see more. I, yeah, for I sure. want to exactly. see more. That's that like yeah. you know what I mean. I'm yeah. intrigued. And he had a good relationship with Tyquan Underwood, who's playing his mm-hmm. first game, a for, former NFL draft pick, and definitely has potential. Who was playing? He's playing in Duran Carter spot at that at that X receiver. He threw must have thrown five balls to him just in the first quarter alone, and they seemed like they had something special going on there. So. You know, some some bright spots. He to, better to be good at. because they gave up the potentially the first overall so, pick to get. <laughs> so. Hey, yeah, it's it's the first first round pick gave up for him. So yeah, you and better, maybe the first or second good. overall yeah, yeah, pick exactly, or something like that. Exactly. So that's uh, something else to consider. But you know what, Vernon Adams, uh, you know what, he got dropped one time in the second quarter, and there were three riders that had swarmed him, and you know he ultimately got sacked, and and the stat will tell you that he got dropped, but at the same time. He he juked and jived and made something happen. Like he was so elusive, yes. they made them work. He he had them working for that sack. And even then, even though he got dropped, you were still kind of like, hmm. Yeah, kids got w- some game. I was scared a few times he was going to get killed back yeah. there too. I was like, oh god, oh! But yeah, it was fun to watch, no doubt. But Probably the same way your mom felt when she yeah, saw you yeah, out on the field many exactly. moons ago, right? Exactly. Okay, uh, so look, Calgary is chasing history, but Calgary is also chasing a bigger picture in the Grey Cup. How do you approach this from a stamp standpoint? We talked a bit about this last week. Um, hey, look, you got a chance for just to have something special here, but at, at, at what at what cost and at what price? Because that Montreal defense, they're not going to lay up on Bo Levi Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like, And, and you do not want to see you know, the franchise or, or the ace quarterback going down in a situation like this at this point. Because Montreal's still hitting guys hard. We saw with Darian Durant, he got rocked a few times right out of the gate in the first quarter. He got shellacked. And we saw that in, in Montreal the week prior. Like, this is a Montreal defense that you really touched on emotionally last yeah. week that hasn't phoned it in, no. unlike other players no, that are no longer with the Alouettes. Yeah, exactly. Great, great point. Those guys aren't quitting. And uh, so, so you know, James, it's a, it's a fine line. I mean... What do you do? These guys are this Calgary Stampeders team is 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 now vying for the best record in CFL history ever. That, yeah. that, that doesn't happen too often. And if I'm a player on that team, I want I want to go for that, and I want to do whatever uh, we have to do to 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 get that. And and that being said, you know you're gonna if if they decide to play guys for one quarter or you know play guys or some guys play at half speed, if you get if you're to twist your twist your knee or you know your shoulder or whatever it may be. I mean, it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think that their mindset is I think they really wanna I think they really wanna to go for this. This is this is something that is CFL history. This is not just like going for 
you know, having a good record. This is the best ever uh, at yeah. all time. And I think, I think sounding the way Dave, it sounds like Dave talked, it sounds like they're, they're going to go for it and they're going to do, they're going to play their guys and they're going to shoot to, to break this record and, and just hope to stay healthy. And we, you know, I, I, I tweeted last week about, about them getting hurt and how football can be a, a cruel game sometimes. It doesn't seem fair. Um, that Mayo and uh, Lever, two guys who you know have been with his team and 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 you know been a big big part of their success, are not going to be able to participate um, in the playoffs in the Great Cup run, and which is it's sad to see. It seems unfair, but but I think I think that's the way they play it. I think that Calgary uh, goes out, they they play their they play their guys as much as they can until the game's in well in hand, and then then maybe you can step off the gas a little bit. But uh, like you said, but the Montreal defenders are not letting up. So uh, if they think they're in for a a cakewalk, I, I would doubt that. Yeah. You know what? Look, I mean, the Calgary Stampeders are on the cusp of something special. So it would be, I think it'd be silly on my part to go against the Stamps. I, I like the Stamps to get it. They're still a superior team uh, from top to bottom over the over the Montreal Alouettes. And um, I'll, I'll take the Stamps in this one. Yeah, I like the I like the stamps as well. Okay, uh, hey, a quick shout out to the Canadian Football League. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have kind of painted this doom and gloom picture that oh, you know, the league's you know people going away and this and that, and people aren't showing up, and the number television numbers are down. Well, some interesting numbers over the last week: CFL ratings up five percent overall from last year, from 2015, and some real interesting trends. The the team to watch, the most viewed team this season, your defending Grey Cup champion Edmonton Eskimos take the top spot. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, for all their doom and gloom and struggles, it's, it's impacted their audiences a bit this year, but they still average 627,000, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, those broadcasts average 615, so the Heartland is still repping strong. Uh, with the CFL, but you know, some real encouraging numbers. We talk about Southern Ontario being kind of a problem area in some respects for the Canadian Football League. Uh, Hamilton, their television average uh, audiences are up almost 11% over last year. The Argos are up over 10% this season. And a real encouraging thing for, for the Argos, for all the problems that people said, oh, you know, nobody's showing up to the park, even though in the new stadium, and no, 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 no. Well, you know what? Toronto Argonauts audiences in that coveted 18 to 49 target demographic that those are the people that spend money as young people and it's people with disposable incomes and paying the bills and all of it. Uh, those audiences for the Argos up 52%. So you know what? It may not necessarily be happening overnight, but it's certainly those numbers are at least trending in the right direction and that's encouraging. So a big thumbs up uh, to the fans of the Canadian Football League who, you know what, for haters gonna hate, but that's the bloodline. People are still the, showing up the, to the ballpark the, the and dire fans of the bloodline. No doubt, no doubt about it. We alluded to it though. It's it, the, the product on TV is is uh, is so great nowadays. It makes it tougher to leave leave the couch. But uh, it's uh, it's nice to see the numbers are up. Oh yeah, seeing all sorts of drama too. I mean, where, where else are you gonna find a player bumping a coach? Or uh, a coach chopping an official on the hand. or <laughs> Exactly. So uh, he's Davis Sanchez. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabolski on Twitter at James Sabolski. If you're not subscribing already, make sure you do. Make sure you do. Uh, iTunes, you can find it. We deliver it each and every week right to your doorstep or right to your tablet or smartphone or computer. Uh, you can also find us on cfl.ca each and every week as well. And don't forget to make sure you're, you're playing CFL Pick'em with us. Still time to sign up. It's free. Everybody likes free, Davis. You know this. You reminded me of this the other day. You said, oh, Sabalski, you like your free stuff. And you know what? I know lots of other people listening right now like free stuff. 
and they can join us and make head-to-head picks. They can join our group, uh, The Waggle, and go head-to-head with both Davis and myself and a chance to win $30,000. And it's free! You don't even have to buy a lottery ticket. You have a chance to win thirty grand. All right, he's Davis. I'm James. Anything else you want to say in part? Uh, nope. Uh, I, yes, I do. Uh, October Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, once again, just to 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 convey this uh, this episode, we'll dedicate to to anyone who's been affected by this and, and women who are, who are dealing with this breast with breast cancer right now. We dedicate the Wagga Dust dedicates this episode to them. Mrs. Sanchez gone, but definitely not forgotten. Thank you. Till next week.